You're listening to a live recorded teaching from the Sunday Gathering at the Heights Church in Denver, Colorado. We hope that this teaching is an encouragement to you. To find out more about the Heights Church, visit theheightsdenver.com. Man, can we praise God for what he's doing in the life of our church? That's awesome. Uh, well, let me introduce myself. My name is Dennis Flowers, and uh, I get to serve on staff here. And hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. And let me just say, Merry, Merry Christmas. Uh, we're really excited for... Oh, boy. All right, I'm going to keep going here. Uh, man, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 today. You thought we were done with 1 Corinthians, and we're back. We are back. So uh, let me set up the series that we're going to be entering into as we look forward to kicking off Advent next week. And um, here's what we know. Over the past few months, as our church has just walked through the book of 1 Corinthians, and more specifically as we've taught on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, here's what we know. We know that we're just sensing that the Lord Jesus is wanting to do something in his church. And the way that we're seeing that is that we're seeing people step into and exercise spiritual giftings that have been given to them. And I mean, we've seen words of prophecy. We've, we've just seen words of wisdom. We've, we've seen physical healing in the life of our church. We're seeing people leverage the gift of hospitality and uh, gifts of serving and helping others for the good of our church and our city. And the list goes on. The list goes on. And so because of that, We feel as if it would be a miss if we didn't double down on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what the Lord is doing in our church family as we're just trying to follow where the Lord Jesus would lead us. That's just what we're trying to do. We're just trying to follow where the Lord would have us in this season. So over the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be taking the three different categories of spiritual gifts that we see in the New Testament, those being serving gifts, speaking gifts, and sign gifts. And we're just going to do a deep dive teaching on each of these categories as we lead up to Christmas, all right? Now, uh, historically, the season of Advent that we're about to enter into, maybe this is new for you, this season leading up to Christmas, it's a time marked by remembering and also one of longing and anticipation. We remember the first arrival of Jesus Christ when he came to earth as a baby, and then we long for and anticipate the second arrival of Christ when he comes to make all things new. So what we want to do in this series is combine those two purposes, that is remembering and longing. And the way we want to do this is we want to remember God, uh, Corbin alluded to this, we want to remember God as the good gift giver. He gives us the gift of his son. He gives us the gift of salvation. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And through all of that, he then gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then we also want to long for and anticipate an unleashing of the gifts of the Spirit in the life of our church for the good of others, and for the glory of God. So today, what I want to do is I just want to give an introductory teaching to the purpose and role of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so to do that, what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through 1 Corinthians 12 together. And as we do that, I have five observations that I want to show you out of this text about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to get really practical because after a teaching like this, it can feel like, okay, great, I have a gift but how do I discover what my gift is, right? And so we're going to get really practical and ask how we can all discover what our gifts 
are. All right, sound good? You guys with me? All right, five truths about the gifts of the Holy Spirit from 1 Corinthians 12. Number one, gifts are how Jesus continues his ministry on earth. Spiritual gifts are how Jesus continues his ministry on earth. Have you ever really thought about the fact that, uh, or have you ever really thought about what God's plan is for telling the whole world about who he is and what he's done? Like, have you ever really thought about that? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but go with me here for a moment. Jesus comes to earth. He, he lives a, a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. He died the death that you and I deserve because of our sin. He rose from the grave. And then what? He left us. And everyone's like, what's that all about, right? Like, there's still so much work to be done. Like, Jesus leaves and there's still so much work to be done. People needed to hear the gospel. People needed to be healed from sickness and, and pain, right? We feel this. People needed to be encouraged. People needed to be taught the Bible. Like, I'm up here and I'm like, who would be better to teach the Bible than Jesus, right? But what we see is that Jesus' plan was not to stay on earth and just do it all himself. He could have. He definitely could have. But he didn't. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. It says this. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay, so there's all sorts of different spiritual gifts, and they all come from the Holy Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Here's what Paul's getting at. God's plan for telling the whole world about him and and what he's done and continuing his work involves each and every person that he draws to himself and saves. Because here's the thing, the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to do his ministry, everything that Jesus did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit is now empowering you to continue the ministry here on earth And he does that through giving you spiritual gifts. So number one, uh, number one, I'm forgetting my own notes here. A spiritual gift is how Jesus continues his ministry here on earth. God's plan A is that he would empower his church to continue his ministry. Number two, a spiritual gift can either be a lifelong calling or a temporary empowerment. Back to verse seven. It says this, a manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. And then look at verse 11. It says this, one and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. Now, what Paul does here is he leaves the way that he talks about how the gifts manifest themselves fairly ambiguous. And I think he does this really intentionally. Paul is showing you that He's not only talking, talking about lifelong callings when it comes to the giftings, but rather that the gifts can also manifest themselves in a temporary moment as the Spirit desires. So a couple weeks ago, when, when we taught through 1 Corinthians 12, Corbin gave these two categories of how the gifts manifest themselves, and I think they're extremely helpful to understanding this. The two categories were this. Gifts can either be permanent and residential— or occasional and circumstantial. Permanent and residential and occasional uh, and circumstantial. Permanent and residential, these are gifts that are just always there. The gifts that are just in you, ready to rock and roll at all times, right? So for me, this is the gift of encouragement. 
This just is. It's like, you see me on a Sunday, and it's like, I'm probably giving you a word that's encouraging you. I'm probably texting you throughout the week. Hey, man, really uh, thankful for you, encouraged by you. Uh, this is just a natural gifting to me. It's a permanent and residential gift. And then the other side is occasional and circumstantial. These are gifts that come and go occasionally in a particular circumstance as the Spirit of God sees fit. And here's how this works. The Spirit of God is, is present in every Christian. He's living inside of you if you have trusted in Jesus. And what he's doing is he's, he's going around inside of every Christian and he's looking for moments, maybe just a small moment, where he can use the people of God to accomplish his, uh, accomplish his purposes here on earth. That's what he's doing. He's moving around. Uh, an example of an occasional circumstantial gift uh, in this second category would be the gift of healing. Uh, in my time of trusting and following Jesus, I have prayed for a lot of people to be healed. Prayed for a lot of people to be healed. And praise God, some of them have. But a lot of them haven't. A lot of them haven't. Not all have been healed. And, and so because, because of that, every gift can be an occasional and circumstantial gift. The Spirit of God manifests as he sees fit. So there are permanent and residential gifts, and then there's occasional and circumstantial gifts. Now, now here's why I point this out. Here's why this is important for you. Many times when it comes to spiritual giftings, we tend to think in the residential and and permanent uh, category. That's what we do, right? Like, this is the gift I've been given. This is the lane I'm running in, and I'm just staying there. I'm not going outside of that, right? But when you think of the spiritual gifts only in a permanent or residential category, you might miss out on something that Jesus wants to use you for in a moment. A spiritual gift can either be a lifelong calling or a temporary empowerment. Number three, this is the most straightforward one, and and I hope you guys all get this today. You've got one. You've got one, okay? Back to verse seven, it says this. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good, to each person for the common good. Do you know who each person is? It's you, right? It's you. Paul's so clear here. You have been given a spiritual gift if you have trusted Christ with your life. Then Paul goes on to explain why it's so important for everyone to leverage the gift that they have been given in the church. And he's going to use the body to help explain it. Verse 14, he says this, indeed, the body is not one part but many. And then look at verse 17. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. And then jump to verse 22. It says this, on the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker and indispensable are, are, are indispensable. Sorry. Now, here's why this is important for us. This is massive for us in the church. Because it shows us just how much we need each other. It shows us just how much we need each other. God has placed each part of the church body just as he wanted to accomplish his purposes. We can't elevate a single gift in the church. Every single member plays a part. Now, think about it this way. I was, I was trying to think of a good example of this, but think if we all only had the gift of teaching. 
right? It sounds great, right? It's like, oh, everyone, everyone can teach the Bible. Until we realize that no one has the gift of serving, right? And then uh, think about this. We're, we're walking around on a Sunday. The lights would probably be off. There would be no sound. Uh, our, our kids would be running everywhere, ruling the place. Who even knows where we would park, you know, in the city? And because everyone has the gift of teaching and only that gifting, no one has the gift of hospitality. If it's your first time here today, it's like, man, there would be nobody there to greet you and welcome you and give you a first-time gift, a little coffee mug, right? There would be no coffee or tea downstairs. Like, this is just one example. But every gift is needed in the church or chaos ensues. And so I want to I encourage you guys today with this reality in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a needed part of this local church body. You're a needed part of this local church body. Because you have been given spiritual gifts, and we as a church, as a church family, I'm not, I'm not talking about staff here, I'm talking about us as a church family, the Heights Church, we can only step into what the Lord has for us in the future when we are all exercising the gifts that we've been given together. J.D. Greer says this is about spiritual gifts. Not everything that comes from heaven has your name on it, but something does. Something does. You have a spiritual gift, which leads me to number four. The gifts are for service, never for show. The gifts are for service, never for show. Verse seven, look at this. We're We're standing in verse seven a lot today. I like it. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person. Why? For the common good. For the common good. Paul gives us the, the reason why these gifts manifest themselves. It's for the common good. It's for those around us. It's for our city. And, and now here's the thing. Here, here's why Paul is addressing this. The people in Corinth, right? It's like we, we've spent a whole year in this. They're all sorts of messed up. All sorts of messed up. They got all these things going on that they're doing. And one of the things that Paul's addressing is that they were looking at their spiritual gifts that they have been given from the power of the Holy Spirit as something for themselves rather than for others. They were thinking it's for me and for building up myself rather than for others. And some people actually believe that certain gifts were a sign of maturity. Others thought themselves superior to other believers because they operated in the more miraculous gifts, you know? And, and what we're seeing is that people in Corinth were just getting a little cocky with their gifts, right? Thinking that their gift was all about them. But here's the thing that we have to see from the text, and this should really place us into a position of humility and dispel any thought that the gifts are for ourselves. Here, here it is. You and I ourselves do not have spiritual gifts. Now you're sitting here and you're like, okay, Dennis, your last point was literally entitled, you've got one, so you're contradicting yourself here, right? It's like, what are you, what are you saying? You, you and me do not have spiritual gifts in and of ourselves. But here's the distinction that we, we all need to see. The Holy Spirit of God has gifts and he gives them to us, his kids, to accomplish his purposes, We don't have gifts. The Holy Spirit of God has gifts that he gives to his church. And according to verse 7, the purpose of giving us those gifts is not our gain, but it's for the common good. The gifts of the Spirit are given to us with the purpose of loving others and building others up and never for selfish gain. Never. 
I want you to see something, and then, and then we'll move on. 1 Corinthians 12 is all about spiritual gifts, right? We're teaching that today. And then if you skip a chapter, 1 Corinthians 14 is also all about spiritual gifts. But sandwiched in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is chapter 13, which is all about love. All about love. Love for others. And the reason that 1 Corinthians 13 is there holding together the two chapters about spiritual gifts is to describe the way that we are to exercise our spiritual gifts in the building up of the body of Christ. That is with love for others first and foremost in mind. Gifts of the Spirit are never for the self, but for the good and loving of others. Our gifts are for service and never for show. Number five, God works in your life through the spiritual gifts of others. God works in your life through the spiritual gifts of others. Look at verse 24. It says this. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. Paul explains here that God has organized the body of Christ, giving all sorts of different gifts at different times to different people. And he does this so that, verse 25, we can care for one another. We can care for one another. We need all the gifts to be able to care for one another. Let me, let me give you two examples of how this can play out. Let's say, God forbid, that there's just a horrible tragedy in the life of our church and someone, someone in the life of our church passes away. Horrible tragedy. When something like that happens, we need all sorts of different gifts in a moment like that. All sorts of different gifts. We need, we need shepherds, right, to care for hurting people. We need people with the gift of administration to help make plans for a celebration of life. We need people with the gift, the gift of generosity to maybe, maybe give and support a hurting family. We need people with the gift of encouragement to encourage those who are discouraged in their loss. You see, in a moment like that, we need all the gifts. And all the gifts are important and come into view to help serve others in the body of Christ. Let me, let me give you another example. Let's say someone in your community group uh, gets a new job. It's like, praise God, you know? It's like getting a new job. We love that. And maybe you want to go to dinner and celebrate that person, right, as a group. You're going out to dinner. That's going to take some gifts. That's going to take some gifts. You need someone with the gift of leadership to help make plans to go to dinner. And maybe there's someone in your group that wants to go to dinner, but the budget's a little tight, right? You need someone with the gift of generosity to say, hey, man, I got you. That, that other person with the gift of generosity comes in and allows that person to come to dinner. And then while you're at dinner, you know, this is a great opportunity to encourage one another and exhort one another. And so you need people with the gift of encouragement and exhortation to speak words of life over these people. You see, God gives all the gifts to different people at different times so that we can care for one another. He uses other people's gifts to work in your life and for you to work in others' lives. Now, the obvious question that we have to ask ourselves, right? We, we, I, I alluded to this earlier, is like, okay, Dennis, you said I've been given a spiritual gift. I, I know the purpose of these spiritual gifts. How do I find out what the gift I've been given is? How do I find out? So what, what I want to do is I want to just get really practical and give you a tool and some ways that 
you can find out what your spiritual gifts might be. Now, uh, there are all sorts of different spiritual gifts, tests, and tools out there, but a tool that's been extremely helpful for me that I, wanna, I want to just give you and you guys can take a picture and uh, consider is this Venn diagram right here. Uh, Corbin said that I can only pre-share if I use the Venn diagram, so I, I thought I'd incorporate the Venn diagram here. Now, here's what this does. He, he says that this helps identify your giftings by finding where your ability, affinity, and affirmation collide. And, and here's the thing. Oftentimes, spiritual gifts coincide with natural abilities that we already have. And what happens is that God takes some natural ability that you and I have, and he supercharges it for his purposes. Okay, so I, I want to just take each one of these head on uh, really quickly. Ability. This is simply answering the question of what do you get at? What just comes naturally to you? And, and here's the thing. If you're young like me, it's like I'm 26. If you're young, it's okay to not be sure about that yet. It is just okay to be not sure about that yet. And if that's the case, if you don't know what it is, commit yourself to wherever you're currently at. Whatever's currently in front of you, commit yourself to that. School, work, whatever it is. And as you do, evaluate what areas you just naturally succeed at that just seem to come naturally to you, okay? So that's ability. Number two, affinity. This answers the question of what are you passionate about? What excites you? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning, right? For this, uh, a great thing to think about is your past experience, like your life experience. And because many times this helps dictate what you're passionate about. Maybe, maybe you've walked through addiction, Maybe you've walked through addiction and you're really passionate about helping people out of that. Or maybe you came to faith later in life and you're just really passionate about uh, evangelistic environments in the life of the church. What's your passion? So that's affinity. Number three is affirmation. This is when other people confirm that God is using your strengths to impact their lives. Like, think about this for a second. When is a time that someone just said, hey, I, I see this in you. This is really encouraging. Like, you, you really helped me in, in, in a moment that I needed help. Like, the Lord has used you in my life. When is a moment that somebody maybe has mentioned that to you? And the beautiful thing is that this is what the church is for. God gives us one another so that we can help each other see things in ourselves that we might not see. Like we might, we might have blind spots and he uses the church in order to identify those blind spots. Two and a half years ago, I was doing software sales. I, I, was, I was selling software and, and Corbin sits me down over a cup of coffee and he goes, hey man, I see, I see some giftings in you that might be specific to vocational ministry. Have you ever considered going into vocational ministry? And I was like, yeah, I thought about it. And I, I prayed about it before. And he goes, you should pray about it a little harder. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right. And that's why I'm here now. Not because I go, oh, I have these gifts that the Lord's given me. I should leave my tech sales job and go into vocational ministry. No, no, no. Because he used somebody else in the body of the church to identify giftings in me. So think about what, what do people say your strengths are? Ask people around you that you trust. Hey, what are some strengths that you've seen in me? 
and allow them to speak into those things. Allow them to speak into those things. So ability, affinity, and affirmation. And then here's the thing. If you really want to find out where all these three really collide in that center, you know what you do? You serve. You serve. You, you jump on a serve team. This can be our connect team, our, our, par- our parking team, our auditorium team, our coffee team, thank God. Our, our tech team, the Heights kids, every parent in the room says amen, right? Whatever it is, the way that you flesh these things out is first and foremost through serving. The way that your gifts are revealed is in the context of ministry. So to close today, I want to just give us three practical considerations and responses from this teaching. There's some of you here, and you need to receive the greatest gift that God offers us. That's the gift of salvation and eternal life. It's the first and most important gift that the Spirit gives. And some of you have never done that before. Romans 6 says this, For the wages of sin is death. So what we deserve because of our sin is death. But here's the good news. But the gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift that's being offered and extended to you today is eternal life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's here's all the gospel is. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came to this earth as a baby. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? He came to the earth as a baby being born as fully God and also fully man. And he lived the life that you and I could not live. And he died the death that you and I deserve because of our sin. And ultimately, he rose from the grave, defeating Satan, sin, death, and hell forever. It's the gospel. The most important gift that God wants to give you is the gift of eternal life, and that gift is being offered to you today. So if that's you, please don't leave here without having a conversation with someone. Come talk to me. Come talk to our prayer team. Whoever it is, explore. Explore. Because the invitation is the gift of eternal life. Number two, some of us need to commit to a local church body by becoming a member and then begin serving. Uh, We saw this earlier, but every part of the church body has a role to play. And so what that means is that there's no such thing as a sideline Christian. No such thing as a sideline Christian. Some of us have been floating in the church. Maybe Maybe we come on Sunday, maybe we don't. We say, I like this about this church. I I don't like this about this church. And we just kind of pick and choose. And my encouragement to you would be to commit to a local church body and become a member there. Because here's the thing. You have a part to play in the church body at, at large. And you have a part to play in this local church body. And without you here committed, serving, and using the gifts that have been given to you, there is not a chance that we will be able to step into all that God has planned for us in the future. Maybe your step today is becoming a member here, or maybe it's joining a serve team for the first time, but the, the call of 1 Corinthians 12 is commitment and leveraging the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the good of those around us. The last thing, we all 
need to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be unleashed in our church family. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this. It's as clear as day. Desire the spiritual gifts. And so as a church, we want to ask and ask earnestly that the Holy Spirit of God would open the floodgates of spiritual gifts in our church family for the good of the church and our city. I don't want to settle for anything less than what the Holy Spirit is offering our church. Let me pray and then we will respond. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for uh, the gifts in which you give us. Uh, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Would you unleash the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this church? Would we see all the gifts operating in different ways? For, ver for what verse 7 says, for the common good. Would we see the manifestation of your Holy Spirit here in our church family for the common good of our church family and the city of Denver? Would you do that in Jesus' name? Amen.